Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. Before we get started today, uh, last week during first service, like the first time ever during first service, we had a baptism of a young man named Isaac. Uh, you know, we don't tend to pick second service. People choose which service you want to get baptized at. But uh, when we see a baptism at second service, we always show it at first service the next week. And so I want you guys to check this out. This is, this is Isaac who got baptized last weekend. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. My Lord. My Lord. And my Savior. My Savior. Upon that confession of faith, and I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isaac, uh, he actually turned 12 this week, um, and just a wonderful opportunity for us as a church to celebrate him making the decision to put his faith in Jesus. Uh, there's not a better decision that he could make than what he did last week. And we celebrated him. Uh, he was super embarrassed the entire time because he's, he's a shy uh, young man. But uh, one big thing, too, is the reason why we celebrate this is because, and we say this all the time, there is no better moment than when God's lost children come home. And for some of us, it's younger, and for some of us, it's, it's, it's older. But uh, no matter when that happens, we celebrate. So we always want to make sure that you guys get to experience and the other service gets to experience what you guys get to see when people get baptized. So last March... My sister got involved in the weirdest email thread ever with a group of strangers, complete strangers. Over four days, she was accidentally included in 20 emails. And the last email she got included a letter, and she sent it to me and told me this would be perfect for a sermon one day. Today is the day. The title of the letter is Urgent Matter Concerning Sherry and Crystal. And this is how it begins. Dear Pastor Don and Deacons, sorry, I forgot to tell you, this was from a group of people that go to church together writing a letter to their pastor. The letter starts, this letter serves as our formal address to the many concerns voiced within the church regarding Sherry and Crystal. As you all know, this situation with Sherry and Crystal has been an ongoing source of strife and division within our church. And then they write what is my favorite part of the intro is, however... What you may not know is the extent of the concerns and why exactly it is that we are not willing to let this issue be dropped. Now, I'm not going to read the whole letter to you, but stick with me on this. It continues. Not only was the church misled about the incident, but just one week later, Crystal was allowed to continue to lead a youth Bible study, and two weeks after the incident, she sang the special music in church. Now, if you grew up in church, you know that's a big deal. She got to sing the special. They continue. Several of us congregants asked that Sherry and Crystal not attend church due to the clear conflict of interest in their father slash grandfather being the pastor of the church and in them bringing the unhealthy, toxic family issues into the church body. Another twist. Sherry and Crystal are related to the lead pastor. It's actually his daughter and his granddaughter. And then what they do is they go on to quote some Bible verses. They do what we tend to do from time to time where they like bold and underline the words that they want to make sure this pastor actually reads. But then it continues with this question. Why then should our church door be opened to her? And then the best part of the whole letter. Sherry and Crystal have been witnessed freely coming and going in and out of the church. There have been multiple times when one or both have been here, including Thanksgiving dinner, Herb's wedding, which is like, she's probably invited, but that's fine. 
Christmas Eve, Wednesday, December 26th, Sunday, December 30th, every Tuesday night since January 8th, except for one snow day, and February 24th, 25th, 26th, 27th, and 28th. And I know what you're thinking, who goes to church that often? And that's a great question. (laughs) But then there's this moment in the letter where it actually kind of turns and you start to see a little bit of maturity. And they write, I understand that this might be the point where we are challenged with He that is without sin, let them cast the first stone, which is an important reminder for sure. So you're like, all right, we're turning the corner. They're not. But likewise, we cannot forget Jesus's words, go and sin no more. You're like, man, you're this close. But what they're saying is, I know we aren't perfect and we know we shouldn't be throwing stones, but she is sinning, right? They're saying we'll deal with ourselves only when she deals with herself. And then what they do is they actually share their opinion of what these rules should be for Sherry and Crystal. They write, prohibit Sherry and Crystal from the church building for at least one year from today's date. Prohibit Sherry and Crystal from any involvement with the church programs, including the spaghetti dinner, which (laughs) we will never have a spaghetti dinner, so. And then there's this part that actually hurts me the most. They, They actually wrote this. They said, we also feel that Pastor Don has prioritized his rebellious and willful daughter and granddaughter above his flock. A quick side note. I love you all, I love this church, but I love my family more, right? They will always be my priority, especially if they are struggling. And the reason why I love this church is because you all would totally understand that and you would not send me this letter. And then the letter ends with signatures of 15 people and this line, and six other members who agreed with this letter but wished to remain anonymous because they didn't want to get involved or feared retaliation. That's the irony. (laughs) We don't want to get involved, but we want to write this letter. But this is insane, right? And the truth is there's so much more. The the letter was actually 2,500 words. It was six pages long. But here's why I share this. There are a few sins that we tend to ignore, that the church has decided are acceptable sins, which is totally an oxymoron because there are no such things as acceptable sins. And and just as a reminder, sin means missing the mark. It's an archery term uh, to describe what happens when the arrow misses the bullseye. And so the bullseye or the mark is the life that God wants us to live as laid out in the Bible. And quite possibly the most prevalent sin that churches and church people are totally cool with is gossip. In fact, I've seen church people who love gossip disguise it as a prayer request before. Have you ever experienced this? Have you ever done this before? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. But you're spending time with friends or family or you're with your church community and then someone says, we need to pray for Susan. I don't know if you've heard, but her marriage is having some issues. I don't think that Andrew is happy anymore. You can totally tell their kids are disconnecting and I haven't seen them in church in a while. Something feels off. Oh yeah, we should probably be praying for them. Right, this is not a prayer request. This is gossip, right? It's disguised as a prayer request so we can feel holy about what we're saying, but that's exactly what it is. It's gossip. This is why we don't have a dedicated prayer team at Collective. And people ask me about this all the time. But this is why when you hand in your prayer requests on connection cards, they go and they're only seen by leaders in this church. That's staff. That's people who lead our small groups. That's people who lead Sunday morning teams. These are people that I trust. These are people specifically I've asked to be in this role. But these are also people who serve at this church. They go to a collective during the week. They serve with us in the community. They give. These are people that are leaders that are completely on mission with this church. They are the only ones who see these prayer requests. Because I've worked at churches before before, where they have a prayer team and it looks a lot like a group of people gossiping. And we're just not gonna let that happen here. 
And so I trust these people to lead you. I trust these people to pray for you. And you can be confident that they honor these prayer requests, that they're not seen by anyone else. They genuinely care about you and genuinely pray for these things. Because what we know is that gossip is a sin and it is not acceptable, especially in the church. You see, the letter that was sent to Pastor Don was gossip. It wasn't helping Sherry or Crystal grow closer to God. It wasn't about creating the right environments for them to experience forgiveness and restoration. It wasn't about healing for a family that was clearly dealing with some heavy stuff. It wasn't even about support for a pastor who's trying to navigate, how do I lead a church while also caring for my daughter who clearly is having some difficult times? It wasn't about what was best for the church. It was gossip disguised as spiritual candor, disguised as accountability, disguised as helpful. The goal was not to build them up, but to tear them down. And so today we're continuing our series called Overflow, which is all about the power of our words because our words have the power to give life or bring death. And we need to understand that. That's a fundamental truth that as people, this world would be so much better if we completely recognized that our words can build people up and they can tear them down. And today we're talking about the types of words that tear people down. And while there are multiple examples in the Bible of these words such as slander or lying or complaining or criticism, today we're focusing on gossip because I think that so many of the words that tear us down are connected to this sin. And here's why. Proverbs 26 says this, fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. So here's my theory. If we can figure out how to stop gossiping, stop speaking gossip, stop texting gossip, stop posting gossip, I think the fire goes away. Remember what we talked about last week with James. He says, our tongue is a flame of fire that can, can destroy a great forest, but a fire goes away without wood. Corals disappear when gossip stops. This world will be a better place if we can figure this out. And when the word gossip is used in the Bible, it actually literally translates to a whisper, and specifically about a person's character. So the definition of gossip that the Bible is talking about is gossip is a whisper that attacks a person's character. And there's so many verses about this. Psalm 41 says this, they visit me as if they were my friends, but all the while they gather gossip and when they leave, they spread it everywhere, right? Gossip spreads. Do you remember playing the telephone game growing up? Right, you whisper into one person's ear and they're supposed to whisper into another and to another and eventually at the end, like what was first said doesn't sound at all what was originally said. And so it starts off where you say like, I love pizza and somehow it turns into purple monkey dishwasher. Right, that is what gossip is like. It spreads, it's relentless. We don't control where it ends up. And by the time it finally gets to that last person, there's only a little morsel of truth, if any, at all. Romans 1 says it like this. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. So the writer of Romans compares gossipers to people who hate God, to people who murder and claims that these types of people that do those things are heartless. They have no mercy. And what this teaches us is that this is a very serious topic that we don't take seriously. I think that's because we like to look at gossip as something that only children do. 
It's something that only takes place in middle school or high school cafeterias. But here's the thing. Some of you were really bothered by the letter that I read earlier, and not because you were uncomfortable with what was written about Sherry and Crystal. It's because I didn't tell you what the incident was. It's because you want to know the juicy details that I left out, and that's because we love gossip. We follow certain Instagram accounts because we love gossip. We spend time with specific people because we love gossip. We try to become friends with people in our careers that are above us because we love gossip. So this isn't about teenagers. This isn't about children. My four-year-old doesn't gossip. This is about adults. Because at some point, we decided that gossip was okay. At some point, as adults, we decided that this was the way that we talk about other people, the way that we treat other people, and this is just something that we're okay with. And the truth is, when you've been stung by gossip, regardless of your age, you know the pain that it can inflict. Maybe you've lost a friendship over gossip that somebody shared. Maybe you were really, really embarrassed by something. Maybe there was a lie that grew and grew to a point where you didn't know who you could trust anymore. Whatever the case may be, gossip hurts. And those rumors seek deep into a person's heart, and they linger there. And so our goal is to speak life into people. Because we know that speaking death hurts people to their core and can impact them for the rest of their lives. And gossip doesn't just hurt the person that's being gossiped about. Gossip's impact is so much bigger than that. And so we're actually going to take a look at a few different people that gossip can actually hurt. So the first thing is this. Gossip hurts the person it's spoken about. Proverbs 16 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Right? That's just too real. How many of you know exactly how that feels? Because you've seen that play out in your own life. Someone has gossiped about you. And because of that, you've lost a really close friend. Or maybe there's a family member you cannot and you don't talk to anymore because of it. Right, someone shared something they shouldn't have. And maybe it's something simple, like there's, there's a crush that you have, and they decided to tell them, and now that relationship is uncomfortable. But maybe it's something even more significant. You confided in someone that you were struggling with addiction, and the person that you trusted decided to share those details with someone else, and eventually you found out. And all that did was push you back, push you further away from overcoming your addiction, because now you feel shame and embarrassment. Maybe it's that somebody shared a struggle that you were having in your marriage. And they talked to someone who talked to someone who talked to someone. And before you knew it, you didn't know who you could trust anymore. And none of this would happen if it weren't for those whispers. Because gossip hurts. And trust is broken. Pain is manifested. And relationships end. And let me just say this, though. If, if somebody has gossiped about you and you've ever felt burned or you've been a victim of their bitterness and their small-mindedness and their insecurities, I am truly sorry. But just remember, it could be way worse. You could be them. Now, if you are the type of person that's hearing this and you're thinking that you aren't gossiping because you're sharing facts, right? Like sometimes we say that, well, if it's true, it can't be gossip. And Craig Rochelle said it best. Everything that is said must be true, but not everything that's true must be said. So gossip hurts the person it's spoken about, and then gossip hurts the listener. Yep, stick with me. Proverbs 17. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. If you listen to gossip, you are wrong. You are not an innocent bystander in gossip. And do not think for a moment that once they stop talking to you, they won't start talking about you. Because if you're going to allow someone in your life to tear down a friend, 
to tear down a family member or even acquaintance, someone you don't even know, you know that they're doing the same thing about you as soon as you leave. And so Proverbs 17 is clear. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. It is wrong to listen to gossip and gossip hurts the listener. And for those of you who like gossip, or at least you don't think it hurts you when you listen to gossip. This goes back to what we talked about last week with what we consume is what becomes the overflow of our heart. If you are listening to gossip, that is what you're filling your heart with. That is what your overflow will be. So gossip hurts the person it's spoken about. Gossip hurts the listener. And gossip hurts the speaker. Proverbs 25 says, when arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another's secrets. Others may accuse you of gossip and you will never regain your good reputation. You could spend your entire life caring for people, doing good things, right, good deeds. But the moment you gossip, your reputation is gone. That trust is gone. Because when you're hearing someone gossip, nobody ever looks at the person who's gossiping and thinks, I'd like to be like you one day. Right? We never look at them and say, I want to be like you and tearing people down and destroying them. You seem like a good and trustworthy friend. Like, that's not what you think. In fact, what we tend to think is, I wonder what you say about me when I'm not around. Or you think, I better be careful of what I say right now because I don't know who you're going to share that with. You don't look at those people and think, oh my goodness, you are so great. In fact, when you talk badly about people who are not around, it says a whole lot more about you than the person that you're speaking about. We don't need to invent things with our small mind and then share them with our big mouths. So gossip doesn't make you likable. Sharing secrets about other people doesn't make people think that you're special or trustworthy or cool. It makes people want to stay away from you. And so here's the main truth about gossip. Gossip hurts Everybody, everybody, the person that it's spoken about, the listener, the speaker, there are only victims when we choose to speak gossip, when gossip becomes the overflow of our heart. And so the goal is very simple. The goal is to stop gossiping because we know it's wrong. We know that deep down inside it hurts us and it hurts others, but we don't know how to stop gossip. Right, because we live in a world and a culture where it's totally cool. That's what you do. In fact, you kind of use it to try to get ahead or try to get over or try to do these things. It's acceptable in culture. And so there are two things that you can do to help combat gossip, to create a culture in your relationships and your conversations where you're building people up and not tearing them down. The first thing is that we need to stop listening. I recently read an article written by a psychologist about gossip, and it said that you could stop gossip with one question. And the question is, why are you telling me this? Right? Why are you telling me this? The article went on to say that it causes the person to actually stop and take a mental inventory of why am I choosing to say this right now? And even if they don't care that they're gossiping, one thing that they do realize is that you do. Now, I understand that this question can feel abrasive or confrontational. In fact, I was sharing this idea with a friend of mine, and he shared this story with me. Uh, about a year ago, he got a text message from a friend that he hadn't talked to in about four or five years. And the text just came out of nowhere, and it was just bashing some of their mutual friends. And after reading the text and not wanting any part of it, he texted back, why are you telling me this? And immediately, without hesitation, the person snapped at him about how he was just as bad as the other friends. And so again, he texted back, why are you telling me this? Silence. And when I asked him, are you still friends with this person? His response was, why should I be? He attacked my friends and then he attacked me. Why would I want that person in my life? 
So you ask, why are you telling me this? But if you're thinking, I can't do that, right? If you're like a non-confrontational person, so you're like, I could never do that. I could never just be like, why are you telling me this? Here's a softer approach for you. Ask this question. Have you had a chance to talk to so-and-so about this? Right, it's a little bit, that's a little bit softer. Right? For those of you who are like afraid of confrontation, you're like, I can take that home with me. Have you had a chance to talk to so-and-so about this? Because most of the time, they're gonna say no. Then you can encourage them to have the conversation that they need to have, and that ends it. Jesus actually says in Matthew 18, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So Jesus teaches us to ask this question. Have you had a chance to talk to this person about this thing? And what you're actually doing, if you're afraid to ask that question, is what you're actually doing is you're trying to teach them to be more like Jesus. In Matthew 18, the whole entire thing is about how to have healthy confrontation. And this is how it begins. Privately, one-on-one, you do not need to be involved. So we stop gossiping and we encourage them, go and talk to the other person. And we stop listening. And most of the time, that works, right? But the truth is, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes no matter how, like how you ask that question or no matter how many times you ask that question, people just won't stop, right? They just won't stop gossiping. And, and this brings uh, like a whole new different topic involved, right? You tell them, hey, why are you asking me this question? They're like, oh, I'm gonna stop talking about this person and I'm gonna talk about this person now. And you're like, that's not, a, that's not a difference. That's not a change. But if you truly find yourself in a relationship where gossip never ceases, the best thing to do is distance yourself from that relationship or completely sever it altogether. Now, I know that some of you are getting super nervous in this series because that's back-to-back weeks where I've suggested that you block or end relationships. But listen to me, it's God. It's biblical. It's not me. Proverbs 20 says this, a gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang out with chatterers. This is very simple and very clear instruction from the book of Proverbs. Do not hang out with gossips. Don't follow gossips. Don't be friends with gossips. And if you are a gossip, people should stop spending time with you. That's biblical. You guys might think I'm mean, but that's just the truth. There are relationships that you have in your life that you don't need to be a part of anymore. And you know exactly what those relationships are. So the first thing is to stop listening. The second thing is to stop talking. This is very simple, but it's very effective. And actually, I like what the Bible teaches better. Proverbs 21 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. If you find yourself feeling like you need to share someone else's story, someone else's secrets, someone else's issues with another person, just ask yourself this question. Would I want someone sharing similar information about me if I were not around? And this is another principle that's found in the Bible. This is why we encourage you to read the Bible. It's amazing. It actually teaches us how to do things better. Luke 6, 31, Jesus says this, do to others as you would like them to do to you. This is so important. I've actually taught on this before. You do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is not do to others what they did to you. Right, this is not do to others what they do to you. This isn't karma. This is treat people the right way because you want to be treated the right way. You do not treat people or talk about people based on their character. It's based on your character. I'll put it this way. Show people honor. Treat people as uncommon because that is how you would like to be treated. And this is how we kill gossip. We stop listening. We stop talking. And that forces us to focus on building others up and not tearing them down. And listen, gossip is cliche. It's unoriginal. It lacks thought. 
It's lazy. It's cliche in your friendships. It's cliche at your work. It's cliche in the church. So we have to decide to stop being cliche. And here's the thing. The problem with gossip and the problem with complaining, the problem with words that tear people down isn't really about their words, right? It's about our hearts. The problem is our broken and messy heart. So while we're talking about the power of words in this series, it's really about the contents of our heart. That's why Jesus said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the goal of the gossiper is to hold people back so they don't personally have to move forward. And the reason why we gossip is because gossip claims I am strong because they are weak. But the gospel, the good news that Jesus brought is that I am weak and he is strong. You see, we share gossip because if we can just simply talk for a moment and we can talk about somebody else's lack of fashion sense, if we can talk about somebody else's problems on social media, if we can talk about somebody else's addictions, somebody else's insecurities, somebody else's bad marriages, then I don't have to talk about my own problems. And if I just push people down, then I can step over them and I'll feel a little bit better. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus proclaims, I am weak, but he is strong. You see, even though we are broken, even though we're messed up, even though we sin, God still says good things about us. And it doesn't make sense at all, but God still loves us. And we let that be the foundational truth of our life, that God loves us, that he wants to be in a relationship with us, that there are endless second chances for when we fall short, because we will, then those are the words that we will speak to people. And when gossip isn't our goal, building people up becomes our goal. And so here's a challenge for this week. I want you to talk about someone behind their backs. I want you to speak positively about someone behind their back. I want you to speak positively about someone on social media. I want you to speak positively about someone when you're texting them because that is how you stop quarrels. That is how you bring life. I recently experienced this while spending some time with other pastors and staff members of a few churches that we're connected to. In July, I went down to Richmond for a few days to see how other lead pastors pour into their staff. And while I was there, I was completely blown away. And not because of how amazing these churches are. These churches are amazing. They're crushing it. We, we definitely look up to them. But I was blown away because the majority of the conversations I had ended up being about how awesome they think this church is. Conversation after conversation started with, I've heard great things about Collective. I've seen people post the most encouraging things about Collective on social media. I've talked to so many people who love Collective, who are growing at Collective, who are getting baptized at Collective. And to be honest, I felt incredibly uncomfortable, right? I, like good words make me feel weird. I'm gonna talk about that in two weeks. You're gonna be really uncomfortable the entire time. <laughs> but I felt uncomfortable, but at the same time, I was so encouraged. On multiple occasions, I left the conversations and I immediately called my wife to share about how people I respect and I admire are proud of this church. But here's the thing. Do you know what that made me want to do? It made me want to go and tell other people how amazing these churches are because that's how it works. They filled me up with encouragement, so that is what I wanted to give to other people. So instead of gossiping, instead of hurting others and ourselves, Let's talk well about people behind their backs. Let's also talk well about people to their faces. We should probably do that first. But for this week, why don't we take a chance? Let's encourage people and build people up. Because what we should do is we need to stop gossiping, stop tearing people down, stop focusing on their issues so that we don't actually have to deal with our own. And we need to start giving life. 
So you're allowed to talk about people behind their backs, but only when you lift them up. Because when we do that, it brings life. It brings life to the listener. It brings life to the person it's about. And it brings life to us, the speaker. And that is the overflow we should strive to have. Let's pray. God, um, we all struggle with gossip. Some of us are, are more willing to understand and admit that than others. But God, gossip is something that we do in all of our relationships. God, in fact, I think some of us would say we don't know what we'd talk to our friends about if we weren't gossiping. God, what we realize and what we learn from the Bible and what you're teaching is that that's part of the problem. God, that's part of the problem with our relationships, God, with our family, with this world, is that instead of lifting people up, we do everything we can to knock them down. God, we talk poorly about people behind their backs. We share secrets that aren't ours to tell. God, we whisper. So God, I just pray this week that this can be something that we start fighting against. God, that we remove the gossip from our lives. God, that we stop listening and that we stop talking. And God, ultimately, we replace all those things that we've been pouring into our lives and pouring into our hearts with the things that you offer us, with the love that you offer us. God, that we recognize that it's okay that we're weak because you are strong and that's what you want to fill us with. God, give us opportunities this week to encourage people, to lift them up. God, give us opportunities to talk well about people behind their backs. God, because we know that when that happens, it encourages everybody. God, help us be that church. Help us be that community. Help us be that city. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.